he shouldn't have been there. It was his fault. He went. He knew he shouldn't have gone. And yet, there he was, at once desperately hoping that no one would find him and also wanting someone to know and to find him, that he might be able to be brought back. Have you ever been in that position where you were in a place, in a position, in a state of life where you were dealing with something and at the same time you desperately didn't want anybody to know what you were dealing with, but also you hoped that someone would find you? That is what we're going to be talking about this morning. And I want to uh, affirm and assure you that God sees you and knows you and knows your state and desires to bring you back. Okay, let's look to today at Matthew chapter 18. We're in verse 10 right now. See that, you do not, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray... Does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. He begins with a, a strange start here. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. If we look at Matthew uh, chapter 18 and go back just a couple of verses, you see that he um, has been talking to his disciples and telling them about who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, right? They, they had asked, who do you think is the greatest in heaven? Or who should we expect to be the greatest in heaven? And he called a child to him and put the child in their midst and said, you've got to be like this guy to get into the kingdom of heaven. Unless you humble yourself, whoever, uh, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then in verse 5, he said, and whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it'd be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. So he's got this child there in the midst of these disciples, and he's using this child for an object lesson to explain to them about people who are young in the faith or uh, people who are humbly following him. And he's going, don't despise somebody like this. Don't despise somebody like this. Do not lead them astray. Do not cause them to sin. Do not be offended by them. See to it, he says in verse 10, that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Now, I, I read this verse and I think, okay, now what does that mean? Right? What does it mean that uh, their angels in he heaven always see the face of the Father who is in heaven? 
And I, I, I know that there are some people that are out there that will say, that, you know, this is uh, the verse about guardian angels. You know, this is the verse that explains that everybody has their own guardian angel who's watching out for them, which is the very opposite of what this says, right? Because what is being said here is that uh, there is an, an angel who sees the face of the Father who's in heaven, in heaven. It, twice it says that. This is an in heaven, in heaven thing. So we're not here uh, trying to explain that each person has an angel who is watching out for them to protect them in a car crash or that sort of thing. So if that's the case, what are we, what are we doing here? What are, what are we talking about here? What does it mean that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven? Well, I think one of the things that is important to recognize is that this word angels, angelos, is a word for messenger. It can mean any messenger. It can mean if I'm sending a messenger to you and they're going to bring a a message to you, that's an angelos. And if, if God has a message for you and wants to send it by means of a spiritual being to you, that's an angelos, an angel. It's a, it's a messenger, somebody who is bringing messages. And in this case, it's pretty clear that we have some sort of a spiritual messenger. But the emphasis here is not so much on the angel themselves, but on the message, right? What is it that's being communicated? Don't despise, don't belittle, don't uh, demean or lead astray one of these small uh, followers of me because that is known to my Father who's in heaven, that is known. There, there is never a time at which the state of God's children is not known by God. Those messages are always brought to God. He always knows the state of his children. So do not despise them. Do not lead them astray. Do not lead them into trouble or cause trouble for them because I want you to know, Jesus is telling his disciples, that these little ones that you might despise or that you might not treat well are always known. Their status and state is always known by their Father who is in heaven. And he always cares. He always cares. And so I want you to know As a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that God always knows where you are. God always knows what's up with you. There is never a time at which God is like, kind of lost track of them for a while. What, what, it's been kind of quiet for a while. What do you think is going on? in the other room, right? This happens as a parent. I, I know that you've had this, this experience before where you're in another room and you're doing something and all of a sudden you stop and go, it is really quiet. Why is it so quiet? If I hear the noise, I might know that they're squabbling, I, but I have some status of what's going on in the other room, right? Because I'm hearing noise coming from that other room. But when it's quiet, I don't know what's going on anymore. And depending on how quick your radar is, that quiet radar may perk up after only a few seconds, or it may take 15 minutes, and suddenly you go, wait a second, it's been quiet for a while now. I've had multiple whole thoughts in a row. I wonder what's going on over there. This never happens with God. 
God is never unaware of what's happening with his children because messengers are always bringing the messages to God. God is always aware of what is going on with his children. And so I want you to know God is always aware of what's going on with you. Do not think that there is a time at which you might be struggling with something or in a predicament or somebody is treating you harshly or something and God doesn't know. God always, always knows what's going on with you. Now we have to do a weird thing. I don't like having to do this, but the text requires it of me today. And so I have to stop my my sermon in the middle of a sermon on this text to do some Bible teaching. Um, And some of you are going, wait, isn't that the same thing? And no, it's not exactly the same thing. But the reason that I have to stop this and talk about some academic Bible teaching kinds of things is because if you look at verse 11, (laughs) the projectionist is going, how come it goes straight from verse 10 to verse 12? If you look at verse 11, for many of you, as you're looking at your Bibles, it isn't there. And so why is that the case? The, the case with the Bible is that we do not get the, did not get the Bible all at once. No one sat down, wrote out the whole Bible, then published copies of it, and then we got it handed to us because we got one of the versions of that, right? That's what happens in other, in other realms. Like if you go and pick up any book from the library, Pretty much every book that you pick up from the library, somebody wrote it, they had multiple copies and things, they, they wrote it down, they, they went, okay, this is it, this is the finalized copy, that was published, and then it was submitted to the publisher, and all of the copies were exactly the same. But the Bible is really old, like really, really old, before printing press old. And sometimes we don't, with our modern technologies and things, think about the fact that the Bible is before the printing press kind of old. And so when these things were written down, they were written down as letters to churches by followers of God who wrote down messages so that they could be distributed among God's people. And they wrote that, thing, that stuff down, and then that was copied by hand by other scribes, and passed out. And the really helpful letters were, were passed around a lot and copied a lot. And so what we have in this case, and in some other cases, is that we have uh, something where we have many, many old copies, but not the original, right? When Matthew wrote it down in his own hand, we don't have that copy. We have many multiple copies that are very old of that, and we compare them all and go, oh, this is exactly the same. So we wrote it exactly the same. But occasionally you come across a word that is missing or inserted in one copy that wasn't in another one, and occasionally, as in this one, it happens to a whole verse, that a whole verse is in one version but not in another version, And so that's what happened here, that the oldest, most reliable manuscripts that we have, they don't include this verse, verse 11, but there were a couple that did, and so there was, when they started numbering at that point, those numbers were added in, and they numbered it, and they said, yep, that's a verse, and then we looked at it later and was like, ah, we don't think that really belongs there. We don't think that was really a part of the, the, the the Bible as Matthew wrote it. And so it's not included in most of your versions, or it's included as a footnote, right? So you might see in a footnote, 
Matthew 18, 11 says, for the Son of Man came to save the lost. Either that was inserted or it was dropped out. We think most likely it was inserted later on. Maybe it was one of the scribes made a little comment. Oh, hey, this is a little comment. And then that got inserted somewhere along the way in the, the copying. We don't know exactly. But I want to assure you that by and large, as we're looking at these multiple copies from generations that are way, way old, there is so much continuity between them that they are highly reliable. What we have is not exactly what Matthew wrote, in part because it's in English and Matthew didn't write in English, but in part because we don't have the exact copy of Matthew, but it's very, very close. So that even when you look at something like this, verse 11, for the Son of Man came to save the lost, we're going to see that that fits exactly with what this passage is about. So whether it's there or whether it's not, it doesn't change the meaning of the text. Okay? So, that was the Bible teaching. I'm going to now put on my preaching hat. We're going to move away from that. We're going to skip over verse 11 with your permission. Uh, Because as our projectionist noticed, it wasn't there. Okay, back into the text. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? This is Jesus' illustration, his example. His example for the fact that God cares about every single one of his little followers, every single one of his children, God cares about them. There isn't one that God goes, you know, I don't really care so much about them. There's not a one of them that God goes, well, you know what, I've got a bunch more, so we're probably okay if we lost one. I only lost 1%, no big deal. No, the, the illustration that Jesus gives here is, what do, you, what do you think? If a guy had 100 sheep and one of them wandered off, wouldn't he go and look for that sheep? Yeah. Yeah, of course he would. Nobody gets to the end of the day putting their sheep back in the pen. 98, 99... Bummer. I'm going to bed. Right? No. He, he's going to go look for that sheep. Wait, wait. How come we only have 99? We had 100 this morning. We had 100 while we were out there. Where did that one go? It wandered off. It wandered off. The, the shepherd didn't, like, forget him there. It had wandered off. We, we are kind of like that sheep that we wander off. You're there, you're grazing, you're with the herd, we're having a great time. It's a herd? Flock. Flock, sorry. You're there, you're with the flock, you're grazing, you're having a good time, and then you, oh, hang on, I'm going to graze over here a little bit. And there's a little stream, and I'll go go get a drink from the stream, and I'll follow this trail over here. And then pretty soon you've wandered off, and you're going, I wonder where I am. Maybe you've been hiking in the woods or, or walking through the woods at one point and, and you've uh, followed this trail. And I, I don't know if you've done a lot of hiking, but sometimes this happens. It, I'll say it's happened to me. 
So it does happen. <laughs> Where you're hiking along the trail and you're reading the guide that says, and then you follow the trail this way, and then you follow that trail that way, and you're following the trail, and it's very easy to notice. And then the trail gets a little bit thin, and you're not quite, I think this is the trail, and so you stay on the trail. And pretty soon you know you're not on the trail anymore. There's just too many blackberries. And so you're like, well, this, this isn't the trail. And so you're looking around going, I don't even see the trail. Like, how did I get to here? Because there's no trail. And you just don't know anymore where to go. You're, you're, you're just lost. You're just out in the woods. You're lost. You don't know where to go because you have lost the trail. You've wandered off the trail. That happens. That happens to us too. There are times when we're just doing our thing and we are, are doing the things that we think are important or seem important to us. Sometimes something urgent comes up and we get distracted about the things that are truly important and we just sort of wander off. We, we forget about the things like, I should really be spending some time in God's word, and I should be spending some time in God, with God in prayer, and I should be spending some time with God's people. And there were really important, important and urgent things that came up, and we did those instead because those were really important and urgent, and it did, we didn't leave time for those other things where we were staying connected with God. And pretty soon we recognized that those urgent things, were it, like it kept on going. It was only going to be for one week, but it it ended up being like 17 months. And all of a sudden, you look around and go, when was the last time I read my Bible? When was the last time that I was in church? When was the last time that I spent time in prayer with God? I, how did this happen? Some, sometimes it's that sort of a thing. And sometimes it's, it's something more like you see the sin and you know, I can't do this and that at the same time. But the allure of that sin is just there and it draws you and so you go to it. One way or the other, it isn't that God lost track of you, but you have wandered away from God. And that's the illustration here that Jesus uses. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does not he leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of that one that went astray? In fact, this idea of sheep going astray is not new with Jesus here in this moment. It's not like Jesus was like, I need an illustration, I need an illustration. Ooh, ooh I have a good one. This is a, a well-known illustration. Isaiah had already used this illustration in Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. We have turned every one to his own way. All of us have done that. All of us have done that. Some of us have gotten further off of the path than others from time to time. Some of us have gotten further away, maybe. But all of us have wandered off. Wandered off the path. Wandered away like a sheep. Not paying any attention. 
All of us have done that. And Isaiah wants us to know that. And, and in this context of Isaiah chapter 53, some of you know the context. I say Isaiah 53, and you go, ooh, ooh, that's the Good Friday passage. That's the passage about the suffering servant, the one who is going to come and take the sins of the people upon himself. That's that passage. This is in that passage? Yeah, this is the part that Isaiah used this as an illustration to say, look, the reason that we all need a suffering Savior is because all of us have wandered away like sheep. All of us have done that. Every one of us has turned to his own way. And so, therefore, you see the back half of the verse that I didn't quite read, right? And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was even in that illustration explaining how God would bring us back, right? That's the context of that illustration. So that, so that Peter builds on this. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. He's talking there about Jesus' death on the cross, that by his wounds we have been healed because, verse 25 of 1 Peter chapter 2, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And so when Jesus uses this illustration, and we're going to see in just a moment that this also comes from Ezekiel, and maybe most particularly from Ezekiel. And so when Jesus uses this, it's not a brand new illustration, but it is perking people's uh, minds up, and he says, don't, be, don't despise a little one like this, for don't you know that if a sheep goes astray, the shepherd goes after them to look for them and bring them back. And so it is with God, that God is never unaware of your circumstances. He's never unaware of your situation. The angels, the messengers are always bringing status updates to him, so he is constantly aware of what's going on with you. And if you wander off, how much more than a shepherd looking for a sheep is God look, going to look for you? Yeah. He knows and he's going to come. In fact, it says in verse 13, And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the ninety-nine that never went astray. If at the end of the day the shepherd is counting his sheep, ninety-eight, ninety-nine, one hundred, yep, they're all in. Go to bed, very happy. All the sheep are in the pen. If, however, at the end of the day, we get to 98, 99, we're missing one, and he has to go out across the hill to go find the one that was missing, and he is not sure what's going to happen with that one. Is it already eaten by an animal? Is it already dead? Did something happen to it? Is it lost and gone forever? He goes, he finds it, he brings it back, and he's like, we got them all. We got them all. 
We were missing one, but we have them all now. Right? When you go home to, to the family and you're telling the family about your day, how was the day? It was great. We took the sheep out. We brought the sheep back. How was your day? It was so good. I brought all the sheep out. I brought all the sheep back, and then one was missing. But I found it, and so we have all the sheep. There's just a level of joy, a level of excitement in that one that was missing that God has found and has brought back. And I want you to know, I want you to know that you are the one. You are the one. You are the one that was wandering off that God found and brought back and is like, yes, I got them too. I got them too. I didn't lose them. I found them and I brought them back. They had wandered off. They had wandered off. It wasn't my negligence. They just wandered off. I watched them do it. I was standing there going, where are you going? You ridiculous sheep. That's not a, that's not a good place to go. And I got them, and I brought them back. And now they are my sheep again. God delights in you. God delights in you as his child. So that when you were wandering away from him and not paying any attention, he was knowing that, watching that, seeking and searching after you, pursuing you, getting you, and bringing you home. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. Because God loves you and because God has pursued you. This is not the kind of thing where you're like, well, I was one of the 99 and I was sitting in the fold the whole time and so God doesn't actually care about me. No, Isaiah told us, all of us have gone astray. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. There wasn't a one of us. It wasn't the kind of thing where God was like, okay, they're all back, 98, 99. It was like he came back and he was like, okay, let's get in the, where'd they all go? They all wandered off? How do you even do that? You all wandered off? Yes, you all wandered off. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray and have wandered away from God. And God has loved each and every one of you and has pursued you and has called you to bring you back to him. And when you said, I'm not really interested in going, he said, come on. And when you went, I'm not worthy to come, he said, that's okay, I'll take care of that too. Because that's, there's something about us that when we wander off, there's a shame that's associated with the wandering off. That the place that we find ourselves in, we go, wait a second, this isn't home. This isn't where I'm supposed to be. Oh, when the shepherd finds out about this, he's going to be mad. I really was not supposed to be here. I really was not supposed to be doing this. I really should not be in this place doing these things. This is not okay. I, I hope he doesn't find out. He already knows. He already knew. And he's already calling you back. And he's already offered his son 
so that whatever consequences there were for your wandering off might be placed on him, on the shepherd instead, so that he might just rejoice and delight to have brought you back into the fold. If he finds it truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I told you we'd get to Ezekiel. Here we are in Ezekiel 34. This is what God was saying through the prophet Ezekiel to his, the leaders of his people. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds. I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a sheep seeks out his as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on the day of clouds and thick darkness. And then again in verse 16, I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them Injustice. You see, the context here is that the leaders of God's people were not doing their job. They were using the sheep for their own gain and not caring for the sheep. And so God was telling them through the prophet Ezekiel, I am done with this. I am done with the way that you are despising the sheep. I am done with the way that you are despising my little children. I am done with you taking advantage of them for your own gain without concern for them and their well-being. And so I am going to remove you, and I myself will be the shepherd. I myself will pursue them. I myself will gather, gather them. I myself will bring them back. I myself will restore them. I myself will heal them and bind up their wounds and care for them and feed them and nourish them and give them everything that they require. I will do it myself. This is God's great love for you. That in seeing your predicament and in seeing how you have wandered away from him, he has said, I will do it. I'm not going to send somebody else. I'm not going to leave it up to somebody else. I am going to do it. I am going to seek you out and find you and bring you back. And I am going to rejoice that you have been restored to the family. Next week, we're going to see practically how we can help God in that mission. But right now, I just want you to rejoice. Because it is not an accident that you are here this morning. It is not an accident that you are here this morning. You didn't accidentally wake up and get here today. 
You are here this morning because God has been pursuing you. You are here this morning because God has been seeing you. You are here this morning because God has been giving you every opportunity to come back into the fold and to know the joy that it is to be in his presence as one of his children loved by him. And so if you feel that you have been wandering, then I would encourage you today to talk with me or Rick or Steve after the service. We would love to pray with you that you might be restored. And if you have been dealing with shame from having wandered away, I would encourage you to talk with one of us and we would be happy to pray with you about the joy and the freedom that comes with having been restored as a child of God. And for those of you who say, I already know, I already am delighting in being one of God's children who has been restored, then I would just encourage you to praise him and to rejoice today that he has so loved you that he has brought you back. Let's pray. Lord God, we are thankful that our status is known by you, that you are always aware of where we are and what we're up to and what we're doing. Lord, we are particularly thankful that you know when we are in situations that we shouldn't be in. Even if there is part of us that wishes you didn't know, we, Lord, are grateful that you do know because we need your help. We need to be restored. We need to see the way back home. And we thank you that Jesus has provided that way. And so we rejoice to be your little children. And we rejoice in you today, in Jesus' name, amen.